This is why we have to take an honest look at who we are, examine ourselves, and we need to look at ourselves within the church the same way that the rest of the world is looking at the church. Take an honest look at who we are. And then when we get to that place of honesty, then we can go, aha, okay, there are some things in my life that need to change. Because I'm not really representing Christ as I stand right now. I need to to do some things in my life in order for me to, 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 to show people that the Christ that I proclaim to follow, that I am indeed following Him. There's a lot of people that proclaim to be Christ followers. But when you ask them, are you following Christ? I mean, the picture of their lives is that they're not. I'm a Christ follower. Yes, amen, He is Lord of my life. Are you following Christ? Well, I don't know. Paul writes a church, uh, to a church called Colossae. Right? I find that in Colossians, and that's where we've been last week, and that's where we'll be today. Paul never visited this church. You know that? He never went there, but he had a passion for them. He knew they were Christ followers. So he's trying to write them to encourage them because you know what was happening is that there's some false teachers coming in around the church and trying to take some of the, the pagan religions of the day, which is basically the world, and trying to, to mix that in with, with Christ following, to mix that in with Jesus, and they were trying to make up their own new religion. Well, you know what happens if you do that is that you be, it becomes idol worship, and you're not really worshiping Jesus any longer. You're, you're, you're worshiping yourself. And Paul's got to correct them and show them that that's not the way to do things. If you do that, you're going to lead yourself down this road and you're not going to be able to experience the freedom that exists in Christ. They're, they're trying to like take a little bit of a Jewish faith over here and bring that in. And they got a little bit of false gods over here and trying to bring that in and mix it all together and bring a little sprinkle of Jesus on top and, and trying to have themselves a, a church. Paul's like, it's not going to work, man. It's not going to work. And the first thing he has to do is address the supremacy of Christ. The fact that that Christ is supreme and what Christ did on the cross was enough. And that was it. And if you put your trust and faith in Christ, then that's enough. Right? That's enough for you to be saved. That's enough for you to spend eternity with him. And that's the bottom line. And that's what you need to know. And that's where he starts. And the first two chapters are all about that. Just telling us, man, Jesus is enough. And he has, to, he has to really almost shove it down their throat so they really get it. I mean, you get two chapters of him just telling them, man, Christ is what you need. Christ is what you need. You need to put your hope, your faith, and trust in Jesus Christ, and that's enough. And we, we've, we find ourselves in this dilemma that they got into a little bit, that, that Paul gets real practical with them. He gets real down to earth with them. All right, so I have freedom in Christ. How do I live like I'm free? Right? Man, isn't that what we all want? Don't we want to live like we're free? I mean, if we've truly been released from the bondage and the chains and all the stuff, the garbage, all the sin, the shame, the guilt that's weighing us down, how do I live like that every single day? That's what I want, man. That's why I came to Christ in the first place, because I wanted that freedom. And what do we start to do? Because of our own selfish pride, our ambitions, all the things that the flesh desires, we start to put the chains back on ourselves. We start to lock ourselves back up. Who's doing that? It's not Christ that's doing it. He set us free. 
And we're the ones putting the chains back on because we continue to live this life that is more like the old life that we used to live before Christ and less like the new life that Christ has called us to. He says, you're a brand new creation. And people hear that and they're like, man, yes, I'm a new creation. And I'm like, well, live like it. Live like it. And when I say, when I, when I say that, trust, trust me, I'm talking to myself too. I have to remind myself, live like it. If you really have experienced freedom in Christ, live like it. Does your life look like you're free? Or does it look like you're in bondage and, in your, and you're in chains? So let's look at what God's word has to say. Now what Paul tells them to do on a very practical level, how they're supposed to do that. We're going to back up just for a minute and we're going to refresh you on what the first four verses of chapter 3 says in Colossians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians Colossians. So that's where we find ourselves in Colossians chapter 3 today. So since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in His glory. He says, you are free. You are a resident of heaven now. If you have put your total faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are now a citizen of heaven. You are citizens of the, the being in the presence of Jesus Christ when you die. That he has gone to prepare, prepare a place for you, and in his Father's house there are many rooms. And there is a place for you that he has set aside, and he is preparing for you so that one day, when your 4.20 a.m. shows up, and you breathe your last breath, you are in the presence of the Lord immediately. Yes. Ministering to this family this morning after their loved one had passed away, the question came up. So what happens? What happens like right when he breathed his last breath? What happens? And that was a very simple answer. I said, well, he's in the presence of the Lord immediately. There was no gap in time. There was no stairway leading up into the clouds. Immediately, when he breathed his last breath, he was in the presence of the Lord, just like the thief on the cross when Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. There is no gap in time. It is today, at this very moment, when you take your last breath, that you're standing in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. And if you believe that, and you know that to be true, do you live your life like your last breath could be in just a few minutes and that you're ready to be standing in the presence of your Lord? Are, are, do you live like that? Is that a reality in your life that, that, that two seconds from now I could be standing in the presence of the Lord? So I'm preparing myself. I'm, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work on me and do some surgery in my life and, and putting some things to death in my life that, that need to be put to death so that so that I, can, I can show people that Christ is number one in my life. Because it could be that in just a few minutes I'll be standing in his presence and he'll be asking me, what's that number one in your life? Yeah. Is that how you live your life? Is, is that representative of what you do and how you ha act and how you behave? He says, set your mind on the things of heaven, 
Not on the things of this earth. That's the key, right? So Paul, please, for the love, man, can you tell me how to do that? I want to do that. I want to put my mind on the things of heaven. What do I need to do? Isn't that what you want to do, man? I mean, deep down, every single person in this room, wouldn't you like to have your mind set on the things of heaven and not on the things of this earth? Wouldn't you really enjoy that? We were talking about that this morning, like, like what, what's, what's heaven going to be like? What's it like, man? I want to know what that feels like. And the only thing I can say is, you know that moment when you were at rock bottom in your life and somebody you love has died or somebody that you, you care about deeply, they're, they're, they're just, their life is being torn apart and, and, or, or your life is being torn apart and you reach rock bottom because some of addiction in your life or something that has controlled you in such a way that, that you don't see a way out. And, and all of a sudden, you're, in, you're in, in a church service and the Holy Spirit of God begins to speak to you and you hear a certain song and like you have no choice but to respond to that and worship Him in spirit and in truth. That you're just singing out in praise and glory of who He is, the fact that He, he rules and reigns and you are just overcome by this desire to worship Him. I believe that's what it's like and we only get a little bitty taste of it here on earth. But when we pass from this life to the next, when we take that last breath and we are standing in the presence of the Lord, it will be our heart's desire for every single second to praise His glory for who He is. To be able to sing that perfect worship song over and over and over again in that moment of, of, of the burdens of this world being released off of your shoulders, that will be the eternal feeling of your heart. To be set free and to live in that freedom in perfect absence of this flesh that pulls you the other direction. And you'll be able to rest in that and rejoice in that and praise Jesus 24-7. Every single day. To see sights that your mind can't even imagine right now. To feel love that your heart can't even possibly scratch the surface of right now. You'll be experiencing that for every second. For all of eternity. Don't you want to set your mind on those things? Don't, don't you want to experience that? Don't you want to live in that life that God has allowed you to live in? Don't you want that? Then why are you putting yourself back in chains? Why are you letting other stuff rule and reign in your life when Jesus could rule and reign in your life? Paul, tell me, what am I supposed to do, man? Tell me, please, speak to me. Tell me what I need to do in order to be able to do that. Now, be careful when you ask that question. Because when you ask the Apostle Paul, tell me what I need to do in order for that to happen, he gives you an answer. Now you've got to be prepared to hear what he has to say. Because you have to understand that this is Jesus speaking through him to the Apostle Paul who's speaking to you now. You've asked the question, all right, God, what do I have to do to have my mind set on the things of heaven because I desperately want that. Tell me what to do. All right, but be careful, I'm going to give you an answer. You've got to be willing to do some stuff. If you want to live in that freedom, you've got to be willing to do some stuff. So this is what he says. So put to death. So put to death. Kill. Paul starts off by saying, you know what you need to do? You know how we're starting this message off today? You need to kill. You need to murder. You need to put to death. And it doesn't sound very godly, does it? Well, we've got to finish the sentence. All right. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a uh, don't don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. 
Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. So here's what Paul says. He says, you want to live this, this heavenly life that you've been called to. You want to have your mind fixed on the things of heaven. Put some stuff to death in your life. Now, to put something to death doesn't mean you can stand idly by, cross your arms, and wait on it to die, does it? You can't, you can't just wait on it to happen. You, you got, Paul says put it to death. That means you've got to get out your sword and you've got to kill something, right? That means you've got to actively pursue killing something in order to put it to death. Now, if you try to sit idly by and let lust just fall away from you, that will not work. Paul says you've got to kill it. If you've got greed in your heart and your desire is for money, if you sit back and just do nothing, do you think that that desire is just going to go away? If you have anger, if you have malice, if you are bitter towards somebody and you sit idly by and just wait for it to disappear, what's going to happen? You just cross your arms and say, all right, I'm a Christ follower. Just going to bask in the glory of Jesus and wait on this other stuff to die. It don't work like that. It don't work like that. When I was in seventh grade, I remember, I remember my, my history teacher talking to us. He said, he said, man, you're, you're constantly, you're constantly moving backwards. If you're not moving forwards, you're not just sitting still, you're moving backwards. This guy happened to be a coach, so he was all about pushing people forward and trying to help them find the best in themselves so they can move forward. And he would tell them, you can't just sit still. What will happen is that you will naturally go backwards. And you see that even in, in physical exercise, right? So let me ask you this question. If you say, man, I'm going to get in shape, and I ask you how you're going to do that, and you say by sitting in one of these red chairs, how in shape do you think you're going to get? Do you think you're going to stay the same even? You think you're going to stay even in the same condition? No, you're going to get worse, right? The human condition is that we get worse, not that we get better or that we stay the same. The human condition is that we get worse. So if you're not actively doing something, you know what's happening. You're not just staying the same. You're getting worse. You're getting worse. So you've got to be active about it. Lust of the flesh. Evil desires. Greed. It's all idolatry. You know why it's idolatry? You know what idolatry is? Idolatry is when you worship something besides God, right? So that's a, that's a fancy word for worshiping somebody else. Do you know why they had all these false gods in ancient times that they worshiped all the time? Baal and Asherah and all those other gods that you always hear about in the Old Testament. You know why they did that? is because those gods allow them to delve into some sin that they really like to enjoy. They really like to enjoy a lot of the stuff that the, the Baal God allowed them to enjoy, so they would go and worship Baal. I can do this, man. It's in my religion. I can worship him, and then I can do all the things that he says I can do. So do you know what they were really doing? They were worshiping their sin. They were worshiping their flesh, their evil desires. That's, that's what they were worshiping because they enjoyed the things that they could do while they were worshiping Baal. Now, we don't necessarily call the gods of this world Baal, but the reality is we worship ourselves by saying, you know what, I know what God says about this, but I'm going to go a different direction. The reality is that we begin to worship ourselves, just like the people of ancient times did. Because we like the way that it feels. We like the way that it, we like what it produces. So we want to delve over into that, and, and, and we say, well, I'm not worshiping any other god. Yes, you are. You're worshiping yourself. 
You're worshiping yourself, and that is idolatry. That is idolatry. So how do you get rid of idolatry? You have to slay it. You have to put it to death. You have to pull out the sword and go after it. You have to hold those thoughts captive. You have to say, it's not going to rule and reign in my life. I've been set free in Christ, and Christ is supreme above everything else. And because Christ is supreme, all these other things have no hold on me. They're not binding me up right now. I can, I can be set free because I am already free in Jesus Christ. Yeah. I've talked to so many people. So many people will say, man, I struggle with this one particular sin in my life. I struggle in this area. And they'll tell me how they struggle over and over. Man, like I get away from it for a little while, and then I get right back in it. And I feel like it's just got a hold on me. And I don't, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything that can set me free. And I, I, my response to that is, do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe that, that, that Jesus on the third day after he had been dead got up and ascended and was in the presence of the Father? Do you believe that Jesus says, well, yeah, I believe that. And you put your faith and trust in him. You say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and he rules and reigns in my life. Yes, I, I, I've done that. I've even professed before everybody that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and my faith and trust is, trust is in him. I said, do you believe that the Holy Spirit of God now dwells within you as a result of that faith and trust you put in Jesus? Yes, I believe that. So that Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives within you and has the power to take those sins captive. But you've got to trust in that Holy Spirit and not trust in you anymore. You gave your life to Him. He, you, his, you, you belong to Him now. Your life is not your own anymore. It's His, Right? All right, we'll give that to him. Give that to him. Let him take it captive. He has the power. He has the strength to raise the dead. Surely to goodness, he has the power and the strength to be able to take hold of the thing that you're struggling with. Either that or you're not really a Christ follower, one or the other. Paul says, put it to death. He doesn't say sit back, cross your arms, wait for it to die. He says, put it to death. Put it to death. As people look at the church, y'all, as people look at what we profess to be as Christ followers, as people look at us, man, are they seeing our prideful selves welling up in the church? Are they seeing our desires taking hold more than anything else? Do they they see backbiting and, and all this kind of garbage that goes on in the church with people talking behind each other's back? People... Pulling this direction, pulling that direction, and, and it, all it does is create division, or they see people cooperating with each other, slaying all that, that garbage that tries to separate us for one purpose, and that is the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you know what? Enough's enough. I'm tired of everything else getting in the way. The thing that matters most is not myself or what I think it should be. What matters most is Jesus Christ. Yes, that's right. Why does the church not look like that? Why do we want to put ourselves in the way all the time? Yeah. Can't we just say enough with me and Lord Jesus? Yeah. And you think you're going to sit idly by and just let it happen. No, you have to kill it. You have to kill it. That's right. 
If you want to be less like you and more like Jesus and all that garbage in you that separates you from Jesus, you have to put it to death. And that's exactly the reason that Jesus came. It says in verse 6, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Eventually that all of the sin and all the fleshly desires and evil desires of this world will be wiped away when Jesus returns. That God is coming to set it finally straight for all of humanity, for everywhere across this earth. All of these things, all these things that you're trying to put to death, Christ will put to death. Ultimately, at the end, Christ will put to death. But man, man, why? Why do we continue to put ourselves in captivity and in chains, allowing our selfish pride to take over and not making the gospel of Jesus Christ and the freedom that exists in Him number one in our lives? But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. He says, you know what? You're a new creation. Live like it. Live like it. Quit putting on the dirty clothes. Take it off. Leave those selfish desires. Leave that sinful nature. Leave it behind. Be who God has created you to be. He says, don't lie to each other. I think that this speaks of so much here. You know what I think? I think, yes, I think there's a picture of, you know, we've got to be honest and we've got to trust each other, right? So that's true within the church. And the church of Colossae was no different. And they needed to do that. They needed to be able to depend on one another. But I think, I think that based on the condition the church was in right here, right now, I believe that they were lying to each other about the sins and they were saying, oh, that's okay. That's okay. It's, it's, it's really not that bad. Oh, you, you got this at your struggle? That's, that's okay. That's okay. And the church was watering down the truth of the gospel. And they were saying, you know what? Sex before marriage, yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. Pornography, yeah, once in a while, not such a big deal. Greed, not such a big deal. And they were lying to each other, not just that they couldn't trust each other. They're lying to each other about their sin and what was okay and what was not. The church, the people within this church were consoling each other in their sin and saying, it's all right. It's all right. Now, I want you to understand that if you had sin in your life, you got sin in your life, and you surrender that to Jesus Christ, that it is a part of the old person and the new person that you are in Christ Jesus, it's not all right. It's not all right. You're a new creation. The old creation don't act like that because it's not all right. And Paul goes on to say, he says, put something else on. He says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Yeah. Now, I, I love this. I love this picture, okay? So we're a new creation in Christ. And Paul says, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what skin color you have. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. That's not what matters. He says it doesn't matter if you come from one of those barbarian civilizations over here or you come from a very 
civilized nation over here. It doesn't matter what your background was, who your parents were, what they did or what they didn't do. That doesn't matter. What matters is that every single one of us has this opportunity to live in the freedom that exists in Christ Jesus. Because what matters, what matters most is that Christ matters and he lives in all of us. What matters most is Christ. Do you know why we go after those sinful desires of our flesh? Because Christ is what matters. Do you know why that we put on the new nature that God has given us to be able to live in and the freedom that we've been able to live in? It's because Christ is all that matters. Do you know that why in the confines of the church we want to talk about each other behind, the, behind their backs or be involved in divisive things that want to rip us apart? Do you know why we put all that to death? It's because Christ is all that matters. Because Christ is all that matters. Listen, y'all. If you really believe, if you really, really believe that Christ is all that matters, then you want to bring other people into fellowship with Jesus Christ. Because you'll see the destructive nature and the, 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 the place that they're headed, the place where God ultimately sets those who have not repented and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the difference between where they will exist and where you will exist in the very glory and the presence of God. And you will see that, and you will be heartbroken by that. And you will say, you know what? That other junk that I thought that mattered so much, it doesn't matter anymore because Christ is all that matters. The reason we put that stuff to death, the reason we go after it with a sword and try to kill it is because we want other people to be in fellowship with Christ. We want other people to live in that heavenly glory and glorious mindset that we can have and the fact that we are now residents of a new kingdom where Jesus Christ is Lord. I know it's hard, y'all. I know it's real hard. All right? I, it, there, nowhere in here does Paul say, it's easy, go do it. If it was easy, then we could cross our arms and wait on it to happen. No, he says it's hard. I don't know if you've ever tried to chase something down and kill it, but most of the time it's pretty hard. You know? Most of the time it ain't real easy. Sometimes you have to give it at 4 o'clock in the morning. Be cold outside. Sit up in a tree. You know, it's hard to kill something. Why is, it, why is it that we all of a sudden think that I can come to church from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, and that, that's it, man? If I just do that, then surely I can put some of this sin to death. Surely I can put some of these things that are taking my mindset off of heaven. Surely I can, I can just sit in there for an hour and, and sing some songs, and the rest of it will go away. Why do we think that? Why do we think that? Why do we not think that it's going to take every second of every day that you wake up from the very moment that your eyes pop open in the morning that you're going to have to wage war against those things that do not set your mind on heavenly things? Every single moment you're going to have to fight it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But you ask the question, what do I have to do in order to be able to have a heavenly mindset, one that is fixed on the glory of Christ Jesus and being in his presence forever. You ask the question. And Paul, he gives a very simple answer. He says, kill that that sets you apart from God. Kill that that's killing you. You know, we talk about this all the time in in terms of terrorists, right? So you know what? We have to go out there and defeat terrorists before they come here. 
We have to go out and we have to, to fight against those who are trying to kill us. That's what we have to do, right? And, and everybody in here would probably say, yeah, I, you know, most people in here would say, yeah, I believe that we've got to go and we've got to find the terrorists and seek them out and, and, and get rid of them before they get rid of us. Why do we not have that same mindset about our own sin? That we need to go out, seek, and destroy our own sin before it destroys us. We're supposed to have that very same mindset. You say, well, I'm too weak. I can't, I can't do it. There's no way that I can, I can get to that place. There's, there's no way that I can be that strong. You're exactly right. You can't. But the Holy Spirit who exists within you is the same Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, and He can. Where's your faith and where's your trust? Keith and I were talking this morning, and I was telling him about having to go over to Rusty's house at 5 o'clock this morning and, and talk to the family. And everything inside of me, I just wanted to lose my mind, and I just wanted to bawl my eyes out right there. But I was able to be strong enough to put the words together in a prayer and pray for that family, give them comfort, give them peace. And Keith said, man, I don't know if I'm cut out for that. I looked at him. I said, no, you're not. You're not cut out for it. But there is one who is. There is one who is. There was a famous preacher one day. People said, I don't know how you make it around to all the places you make it around to to minister to people, to be able to, to read God's Word, to be able to study God's Word so that you can relay it to other people. How you can be there for every single hurting person and still be able to lead a church. I don't understand. How, how can you do that all? How can you do all of that? And he said, you forget there's two of us. There's two of us. There's two of us. Does he reign supreme in your life? Is the fleshly desires, have, have they taken over? Are they destroying you? Are they weighing you down? Are they the source of your depression, your anger, your bitterness? Do you want to live like you're free? Like Christ died so that you could be free? Do you want to live like that? Let's wage war. Let's go put some of these things to death. Let, let, let's come down to an altar and say, God, I want these things to die in my life. And an altar is a place where things come to die. So let's start right here at this altar and say, God, I want some of these things to die. And I'm laying them down at your altar because you have the strength within me to kill them. So let's go. Let's go because there's two of us. Will you trust in him today if you've never given him your life? If you never said, Lord Jesus, I belong to you and I put my faith and my trust in you. Will you come today and let his Holy Spirit rule and reign in your life so now there can be two of you? Will you come today? Father, thank you for this precious word. Thank you for the fact that you do not leave us and you do not forsake us and that you are always in our presence. God, there are people here that profess to be Christians, that profess to be Christ followers, but they are not following Christ. God, I pray for those people and I pray for those people who have never fully trusted in you as Lord and Savior. I pray that you would rescue them from their sin. I pray that they would be set free today. And then there are some, Lord, they have professed you as Lord and Savior. And, and, and today, God, they're, they're bound in chains. Chains not that you have put on them, but chains that they put on themselves. God, I pray that they would today fix their minds on heavenly things and they would allow the old things to be put to death. I pray that they would actively pursue those things of the past, the old clothes, the old creation, that they would allow those things, God, to die. God, that they would pursue them in such a way that they would kill them and take them out of their lives. 
and then they would put on the new clothes, the new creation. God, the, the life that you've called us to, an eternal life, a heavenly life, that we would put that on today. God, set us free. Set us free. In the name of Christ, our Savior, our King, our Redeemer, Redeemer I do pray. Amen. Would everyone stand?